Welcome to the Empire Files podcast. This is Abby Martin. And Mike Preisner. So it's been a couple weeks since we gave you guys a podcast. It's because we've been traveling internationally. We were in Scotland for the Conference of Parties, COP26, the 26th year of uh, several countries getting together to discuss climate treaties, non-binding, of course. These are the climate negotiations that have been ongoing for a little less than 30 years now um, with no real tangible action on the ground. Mike, you know, in light of doing Earth's Greatest Enemy, we felt like it was imperative for us to go because this was the biggest negotiation since the Paris Accords in 2015. And even though these happen every year, this was a really significant one, especially because Trump had, you know, removed the U.S. from the Paris agreements. And so this was kind of the first, America's back! This is this is when America got back, baby. This is back in full swing, back in full force, uh, build back better. So we felt like we needed to go and be a part of history and make waves. And holy shit, I, I would say that we did a pretty good job, Mike, uh, of doing just that. So why don't you talk a little bit more about about what it was like when we got there and um, I guess why you felt like it was important that we went as well. Definitely made some waves, Abby. Uh, definitely the only journalist there that was asking confrontational questions to people there. Um, people may have seen Abby's a great question to Nancy Pelosi, to AOC, to Democratic Party governors who were supposed to be the uh, top leaders in climate change among the, the governors. And we're going to talk about all of those incidents as we get into this. But we just want to say from the outset that those are things that we released uh, because they were just First of all, COP already broadcast all of their press conferences, and so other media had access to that video footage, except for the question to AOC that that we released also. But we released those uh, before the film because we just thought they were so important to get out right away. But there are several other confrontations that we have on camera that we have not yet released and that you will not see until you see Earth's Greatest Enemy. Uh, but we can talk about what those are to give you a sneak peek since you are a donor and helping make the project possible. But the fact that Ab Abby was able to make waves at the conference by asking these confrontational questions, which was... Uh, in some ways, actually against the rules of COP, which we are going to talk about as well. Um, a lot of people were asking, like, how did we get into this thing? <laughs> like, why was Abby Martin allowed into these press conferences to ask these questions? And that's a great question. Uh, we actually probably should not have gotten press credentials. It was actually a really, really strict process of applying for press credentials. You know, we had started months prior with the help of our friend Darna Noor, uh, who now works at the Boston Globe reporting on climate, our friend from formerly the Real News Network. Um, and there were so many restrictions. Like one of the press restrictions was you had to show that you reported on the climate weekly and had weekly bylines about the climate to get press credentials for certain press passes. So there were things that we definitely did not fit the credentials of, but let's just say we were able to finagle our way in. Um, not going to say how we did that, but we finagled a way in. Uh, and so that's why Abby really stood out there because everyone else in order to get credentials were people who did not want to lose their credentials at other COP26. So one of the things that there's very strict, and this is, goes for activists also. So for press and for activists uh, or organizations, right? Because there was organizations that were good climate 
justice organizations. Some of our friends of ours got credentials to get into. Really good people get access to go into COP. Um, but if you do anything that is considered confrontational or offensive or even calling out countries by name. So in, to say- Name and shame. Yes. No quote, no naming and shaming is a rule of COP. So if you are an activist organization and you want to do a demonstration inside of COP, you have to go through a very strict process of- pictures of the banner that you're going to bring, like saying exactly where you're going to be and for how long, what you're going to say, what the speeches are going to say, all of that. You have to, it's very strict and you have to get approved or you get disapproved. And one of the things is you cannot have the word U.S. or any other country on anything and you can't say it. Um, so for example, one of the groups that, that we uh, followed there had a banner that said U.S. militarism, number one polluter. And for them to hold that banner up inside, they had to apply for a permit and they had to hide the part of the banner that said U.S. They literally had to fold it over where it just said militarism, number one polluter. And so for organizations and for media and for activists who are allowed entrance into COP, if you violate the rules, you're never getting into another COP again. Just And potentially any U.N. event. Any U.N. credential. Exactly. Um, so us, probably, we will not get into another cop again. The uh, the assistant to the U.N. secretariat took pictures of our press badges at a certain point, uh, which we can talk about. And so there's just this people that want to you know, get in and do something militant or confrontational. You really can't. Uh, because then you will never be able to get into COP again. But it was a pretty curious revelation of just how these things operate and how it all works because it it is very sanitized and it is, um, you know, it is just basically the COP parties wanting to put on the auspice that they are inclusive, that they allow free speech and heralding that, right? Like we are a democratic process. We we put quote unquote indigenous black brown voices at the table. We're centering all the indigenous voices. And that was like this recurring theme throughout the conference. Centering Every native single voices fucking was the, panel was the number one term I heard was sent we are centering native voices, mm -hmm. which seemed a bit superficial. It was extremely insulting. Saudi Arabia, centering yeah. native voices. It was really insulting. I mean, let's just say, let's just call it what it was. It was very, it was just tokenizing people who are oppressed by this sort of structure in a very sanitized way. And and look, I'm, I'm not trying to like degrade or denigrate anyone who was there. Obviously, there were thousands of like extremely well-intentioned, well-meaning activists and organizers there. Why wouldn't you go to this and why wouldn't you take the chance to sit at a table with people who are highly influential politicians or people who are, you know, policymakers? Like, obviously, you would do that. But but it's just important to understand how these things actually work. Yeah. And it extends not just to what happens inside COP, but what happens outside of COP as well. So we're going to talk a little like because, of course, there's protests outside of COP the entire time. There was the big day of action where 100,000 people marched. Uh, we marched in that crowd. It was really incredible. But we were really con uh, confused because the march was mass. I mean, over 100,000 people. It was massive. And we start getting closer and closer to where COP was. And we're like, oh, yeah, baby, we're going to COP. And there's going to be 100,000 people surrounding the COP event. And then all of a sudden, we take a turn away from COP and just march for a mile down to the middle of an empty park far from COP. And I was really confused by this. Like, why would the organizers, why would the leaders of this march 
not want to march to the actual place where all the delegates are going into like why not do that and i realized the reason is because all the like the organizations that were leading the march also had a certain number a dozen or 20 or so passes to get into cop and at past cop gatherings like for example one native group that was leading uh, a march at a previous cop did something too confrontational they marched to the cop entrance and did something that uh, the UN didn't like, and so they actually got their passes pulled for the next cop and weren't allowed into the next one. And so that kind of fear that that cop uses, that the UN uses to say, even if you protest outside in a way that we don't like, um, you are not going to be, a, you're not going to have your voice centered. You're not going to have a seat at the table. And so, you know, of course there's, you know, we don't want to go into the strategic discussion of whether or not that's right or wrong um, or whether or not we agree with that, but uh, that is just one of the things that we were surprised by going. It was kind of like a weird emblematic manifestation of like this whole woke, the identity politics gone like wild, where basically that has com come to define the Biden administration. It's like so meaningless and, and hollow and empty rhetoric that really like has no tangible effect on like the roots and, you know, oppression of, I mean, the core of like what oppression really means and how we can solve it and stuff like that. So it's just it was just so bizarre to see all of this unfold. And most of all, I mean, just again, like this fucking rhetoric coming from all these politicians at every single press conference that we went to, every single panel. It was just like it was kind of gross. I mean, I, I don't really know any other way to say it, but it really was just so strange because it's not just the U.S. I mean, it was pretty much every country that was involved that was like using this kind of language, like the whole like whitewashing, um, greenwashing, you know. Meanwhile, you have all of the advertisements like, you know, because you're in this giant sports stadium or whatever and you see these banners swirling around and it's all banks and, and oil companies and luxury car companies, luxury car companies. It's like, <laughs> it's like who's sponsor. sponsoring these <laughs> cop conferences. And like, meanwhile, like on the TVs everywhere, you have like these cartoons about net zero, uh, like growing forests and biofuel and then like meanwhile it's like juxtaposed with like children's art exhibits of like glow like the globe and paper mache uh, like fucking kids and stuff you're just like what is happening i mean it is kind of like a perfect weird example of just how dystopian our reality is it's like really topsy-turvy and then meanwhile the entire climate like beyond just how weird like the marches were and stuff in terms of not actually confronting cop entrance, the climate in Glasgow was so weird too because like, you know, we worked with the videographers who were local and really awesome guy named Simon and he was just like, it's so fucking funny that like every single banner, every single advertisement, every single bus stop, like everything has been replaced with this, this similar kind of like weird greenwashing advertising campaign. Sorry, Empire Babies, that is all we got for you in this preview. The full episode is well over an hour long, where we talk about the undercover oil lobbyist delegation, my experience confronting Nancy Pelosi, AOC, and several Democratic Party governors at the conference, and much more, including all the secret unreleased footage that we are saving for our film, Earth's Greatest Enemy. 
This exclusive podcast is only available to donors who have contributed to this project. So go to patreon.com slash empirefiles and join the community for this episode and more patron-only podcasts. Your support makes this work possible. Thanks so much for listening.